have your Bibles, would you please turn to the book of 2 Peter? Book of 2 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 1. 2 Peter, be reading the first 11 verses. And I guess I have to give a uh, title of this message. It is Fruitfulness in Knowledge. Fruitfulness in Knowledge. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with, with us through the righteousness of God our Savior, Jesus, God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the world through, through lust, that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to hear it. Help us to receive it into our hearts and into our minds. And empower us, Lord, to obey it and to do those things which the scripture clearly shows us that we are to do, how we're to act, how we're to treat one another, and the things that we're to do to be pleasing to Jesus Christ. And then be ready to receive the great promise and the great reward that he has for us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When, you, when you think of the scripture and you, you think of Jesus one time, he walked up to a fig tree. This fig tree, he was hungry. And he walked up to this fig tree and when he got there, there was no figs on it. And when he saw the fig tree had no figs on it, he cursed that fig tree that it died. His disciples were bewildered by that. They were bewildered because it was not the time that the tree should have figs on it. Now what was Jesus trying to show them and show us today through that event? When they came back later, they were amazed at how soon this tree had died, how soon it had withered. It would never bear fruit again. He's trying to tell us that we don't bear fruit seasonally. Amen. We don't bear fruit for Jesus Christ in the summer when school's out. We don't bear fruit for Jesus Christ just in the fall when it's cool weather. We don't bear fruit for Jesus Christ in the wintertime. We don't bear it in the springtime when everything's blooming and everybody goes to feel better. We ought to bear fruit for Jesus Christ every single day of our lives and every year of our life. He said we are to be instant in season and we are to be instant out of season. He expects us to bear fruit for His kingdom and for His glory and for His honor. We, we tend to want to pick and choose according to the way we feel whether or not we want to be fruitful for Christ or not. That's a, that is a dangerous way to live your life. It's a dangerous way to live and try to live for Jesus Christ. 
Do you think that's acceptable to Jesus? It wasn't acceptable for him through the fig tree, was it? When he got ready for it to have fruit, he was God. He wanted fruit on that tree. So he did that for us to know. He could have made fruit on that tree, but he didn't. And he wanted us to know that we are to be fruitful to him at all times. Peter goes into detail here to talk to us about how we can be fruitful and the things that we need to do through the scripture that shows us the things and the way we need to act and the things we need to receive into our hearts to become fruitful for the kingdom of God. Amen? Knowledge in Jesus Christ is supposed to make us bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? We need to know who Jesus is. We need to know what he wants from us. We need to know what he expects from us. And those are the things we <laughs> need to do. Amen? It's very simple. According as, in verse 2, it says, According as his divine power hath given to us, what? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Man, he has given us what we need. He has given us all things that pertain to the way we are supposed to live for him. He hasn't left anything out. The issue that we have is we don't readily receive what he is ready to give to us. You have to learn to be able to receive from God what God has for you and, and receive from God the work that he has for you and be about doing the Father's business. And he said, I have given you everything you need to be able to do this. So what hinders us from doing that? We get in our own way. We want to choose what we do and what we don't do. That can be dangerous. He says, I've given you all things that pertain unto life, godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. This is a good little short list to me of what, of what the knowledge of Jesus Christ does for the saved person. Look at what it gives. Life, godliness, glory, and virtue. Now virtue here, we, we've all been to funerals. Uh, uh, of mothers, housewives, and, and 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 almost every woman's funeral that was a good mother or a good housewife, we hear preached Proverbs chapter 31. And it tells us what a virtuous woman looks like. It's a description of what the Lord says a virtuous woman looks like. Well, not only is the woman supposed to be virtuous, but so is the man. We are supposed to be virtuous. That's what we're supposed to be. Virtue here means being conformed to the standard of right according to Jesus Christ. That's what virtue is. If we are to we are to be conformed to a standard. Now, what this actually means is that we are in a form of transformation. We are being transformed. Amen. Uh, Romans 12 and 2 says, and be not conformed to this world. So we have to be different from the world if we're going to be conformed to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We, we better start listening to this stuff because it's sometimes hard to, to differentiate the person who's saved and the person who's not. And that ought not be. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed that, that by the renewing of your, of your mind that you may prove there is there are proofs that we know Jesus. And this is this is what she's talking about. That we may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. Let me ask you a question. If, if somebody, if you look at your own life, do you prove to the people you contact every day that you know Jesus? Do you prove it to them? How do you do that? You, simply by living for Him. Simply by doing what He's asked us to do. And so virtue plays a part in that. We are saved by grace through faith. And, and, and so this is what he's talking about. And these things must come through this conformity and this transformation. We go from an old man to a new man. We go from a, a, a lost man to a saved man. We go from a man who's lost in sin to a man who's saved from sin. Amen? Those, that is the conformity that we are supposed to do. And we're not to be conformed back to this world. We're not to turn back to the way we were. We are to move on in newness of life 
and be a partaker, and we can be a partaker of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. But there must be a transformation. There must be a change in who we are. If we want to participate in the divine nature of Jesus Christ, we must have that power. When the Bible says that by, by grace you're saved through faith, you receive something into you. You receive Jesus Christ into your heart by the way of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we are empowered to prove the divine nature of Jesus Christ in our lives. We are empowered to show by our salvation that we know Him. Amen. I heard a guy say one time, you know, if we went to if we were put on trial for being a Christian, uh, they wondered if there'd be enough evidence to prove that we were. Our lives for Jesus should never come to that point where people wonder, are they really saved? Are they do they know Christ? Do they do they really they don't act like it? That's a sad testimony to have. Amen. And so we must be be, be transformed so we can have this. Be, and so we can be partakers of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. Well, how does this come, come about? Verse 4, by escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, how many of you believe that our world is corrupt? Amen. My goodness. And uh, don't, don't just look at the Democrats and Republicans. They're corrupt, but so is the rest of the world. Amen. There's corruption on everywhere you look. It is a corrupt evil, vile, filthy, vulgar world. Amen. Amen. It's dark. And it dwells in darkness. And we live in light. We are supposed to be the light of the world in the darkness. That means we are supposed to look different, act different, talk different, smell different. <laughs> I just threw that one in. <laughs> than the rest of the world. We're not supposed to be like them. We're not supposed to be filthy and vulgar and evil and live in darkness. So in today's church, in today's church, it's hard to differentiate sometimes between conformity to the world and conformity to Christ. Folks, that ought not be so. Oh, it gets so quiet in here. That ought not be so. Well, I didn't get an amen. Thank you for the amen. You know why? Because we're looking at ourselves right now and thinking, hmm. Hmm. Do I gossip? Hmm. Do I slander? Do I talk ill of people? Do I complain and gripe about the church all the time? Hmm. Does that show I'm conformed to Jesus Christ? No. It does not show that. It does not show that, nor are you fruitful when you're doing that. As a matter of fact, you're unfruitful when you're doing those things. When you're living your life for Satan, proclaiming you're, you're saved, you're not doing it for Jesus for sure. Do you think you can live for Satan and proclaim I live for Jesus Christ? Wow. But the world does it all the time. And those conformed to this world do it all the time and do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow, that's sad, isn't it? It's not acceptable by Jesus Christ, by the way. Now let me tell you what, there's going to be a whole group of people who say I'm saved that ain't going to make it happen. Jesus bears that out in the Gospels. He tells them. They're going to stand before me. They're going to argue with Him. They're going to actually argue with the Savior of the world. Yeah, we do know you. No, you don't. Yeah, we do. We we cast out demons in your name. We laid hands on the sick and healed. That ain't knowing me. That's not what I'm talking about. You didn't have a heart change. You didn't have a mind change. And you worked the power that you worked through Satan, not me. Wow. God help us. We need to be conformed to Jesus, not to this world. Amen. Amen. And so... Many try to live both worlds. Amen. We like to get on that fence and teeter-totter. I don't want to live too religious. My buddies won't like me no more. 
Well, I don't want to look too worldly. The church will think I've done backslid. Now, what is that? What is that mindset? What does that do for us? You know what Jesus said? You'll either walk for me or you won't. You'll love me or you don't. You'll serve me or you won't. You'll be cold or you'll be hot. And I would rather have you cold than lukewarm and straddling that fence. Amen. That's what Jesus said. That's why we need the knowledge of Jesus. We need to know we cannot live that way and be pleasing to Him and participate in the divine glory and power of Jesus Christ that way. <coughs> because it's unacceptable to Him. And so we are many we try to live in these both of these worlds, but our citizenship, the person who is saved, their citizenship is not in this world anymore. Amen. Amen. We better be, we better think about that. We are no longer citizens of this world. Philippians chapter three verse twenty says, "For our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven." Amen. It's in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we look for Him to come. He's coming from there, where our citizenship. And guess what? He's coming back for a people whose citizenship is there, not here. Now, how do you have a citizenship here? Amen. He's coming back for who? For what? He's coming back for his church. Now, I hear people all the time, well, I'm the temple of the living God. He's coming back for me whether I go to church or not. He didn't say he's coming back for the temple. Amen. He said he's coming back for the church. He's got a temple in the New Jerusalem that's going to be there. He don't need your temple. He needs you. That's right. He needs you. He's coming back for the church. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. And for us to be not committed to the bride means we're not committed to Jesus Christ either. Amen. God help us. We better get it with the program. We need to have this knowledge so we can understand what it takes to be a participant of the divine power of Jesus Christ. What is the divine power of Jesus Christ? He can save you to the uttermost. He can forgive you of any sin except blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And He can take you to glory. That's His power. I like that, don't you? I want to be a part of every bit of that, don't you? I want to be a participant in the divine power of Jesus Christ. I want Him to come get me. I want to leave. I want to fly. Don't you? I do. And I hope you do too. Well, to do that, we've got to live a certain way here. You say, well, we're not saved by works. I didn't say you were. I said, because you are saved, you're going to live different from the rest of this world. And if you are saved and say you're saved and don't live any different from the rest of this world, I question your salvation. Amen. And I question it by the authority of the Word of God that shows what the saved person is supposed to look like. Can you backslide? Yes, you can. You sure can. But you can't stay that way. Can you live sinfully? Yes, you can. But you can't do it continuously. The Holy Spirit won't allow it. You'll be under such conviction you can't do it. And when you can do it without being under conviction, there's something wrong with you. Amen. There's, not, there's somebody in there that's not telling you you're doing wrong. There's somebody in there that's not taking you on the heart every night saying you need to quit doing this. Amen. And when we get comfortable in our sin, we're in trouble. Amen. Amen. Now, so he says, our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. Now, when does this start? At the point of our salvation, this transformation begins. Amen? We begin a journey. When does it end? When we're with Him. When we die or He comes and gets us. That's when that transformation stops. A dead person don't transform. But Jesus Christ will transform or translate the dead right. through the resurrection and His power. Praise God for that. And so, 
at the point of our conversion, we should be led into a moral and ethical change of our behavior. Amen. That's what it means to show forth the praises. That's what it means when people see you, they say, there's something different about you. You know Jesus. Why? Because we, we, we exhibit it. We show it forth. We bear fruit. And when we bear that fruit, people see the fruit dangling off of the tree. Amen. We do, so we start this moral change, and ultimately, moral perfection is going to come when we die. And this completion is at the resurrection or the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now Peter continues on in, in, in verse 5. Peter continues on about this change or the fruitfulness in the, in the knowledge of Christ. And then he, he starts into things, he said, now there's steps to your moral change. There's steps to your transition. There's steps to your transformation. There are steps away from the conformity of the world and we are going to conform you to Jesus Christ. And he lists the steps right here so we'll know. Amen? Now, the one thing about the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit is we all got different ones. Amen? We don't necessarily all have the same gifts. But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, we all supposed to bear that. Amen. All of us are supposed to bear that, 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 that fruit. And so he's, he says in verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence. Now let me ask you a question. And don't answer it. Just think about it. How many of you get up every morning and you say to the Lord, I'm going to try my dead level best to live for you as hard as I can, as good as I can all day today? Then we do that. Everybody's good. We all do. I'm going to try my best to live for you, Jesus, today. And you know why we don't do that? Because we know at some point in the day we're going to mess up. Well, you know what we do when we mess up? We confess it, move on, and the next morning say, Jesus, I'm going to do this one more time. I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try my dead level best, Lord, to live for you all day. Would you help me? We're afraid to do that. Amen? We need to start doing that because He is our moral compass. He is the one who transforms us. He has a way for us to live. And so Peter tells us here, he said, and beside giving, he said, beside this, giving all diligence, that means try as hard as you can, giving yourself totally to the work of God. And he says to this diligence, add to your virtue, add to your faith, uh, 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 Add to your faith virtue. Now we already talked about virtue. He ended it a while ago. What that means. So we, he, he has given us the faith. This is directly after salvation. For grace to your saved through, by faith. Uh, and, and he gives us virtue. Being conformed to God's standard of right. And then he says something else. Because he knows that, listen to me. Grace, faith, and virtue are only three parts of what he wants you to have. It's only three parts of us. You know, that's why people say, I'm saved, I ain't got to do nothing else. That ain't what Peter says. Peter says, now that you're saved, there's something you've got to do. You've got to be knowledgeable of who you're saved by. Yeah. And you have to try your best to live for Him. That's what virtue is. Amen? And you have to know some things in order to be able to do that. You have to know how to please Him, and you have to know how you cannot please Him. You have to know what He will allow you to do and what He tells you not to do. We have to differentiate that. That's where knowledge comes in. So he says, be conformed to God's standard of right, this is virtue, and to your virtue add knowledge. Mm -hmm. Amen? You know, the Bible, when it refers to the relationship to a man and a woman, when it comes to the point where it says that they're fixing to have children, the Old Testament would say something like, Adam knew his wife. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the way it puts it. They had this relationship where they became one person. He said, now you don't need to talk about that kind of stuff in church. Yes, I do. Because if you're going to have this moral compass and you're going to be with Jesus, you need to learn how to become one with Him. Right. You need to know Him. You need to bear fruit from Him by knowing Him. 
That comes from virtue to knowledge. Knowledge is learning of Jesus, obeying Him, and having a right relationship with Him where you love Him more than you love the lusts of the world. <laughs> where you love Him more than you love the allure of the world. Where you want to go to heaven more than you want to have your, your party here. Amen. Uh, boy, I know some preachers that would just want to tear me up right now. I don't care. So there's preachers out there preaching right now that if you'll just believe the Lord, He'll give you all the stuff. Woo! You are going to be so successful in your life. Oh! You, 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 you just give me a little and He's going to go over the windows of heaven and just Pour it out in baskets all over your head. I don't know when he's going to do it. But you just keep on believing and you keep on trusting and you keep on giving to me and he's going to do it. My, oh my. And there's millions that fall for that junk. You know why? Because they want theirs here and they want it now. Amen. They want it here. They want it now. Amen. Y'all listen to me. My treasure ain't here. My treasure's there. And nothing can touch it. And when I get there, that Savior is going to hand it to me. He said, it's going to be here. And I'm going to give it to you when you get here. Praise God. Amen. So he says, Add to your virtue knowledge. Learn about Jesus. Learn about who He is. Read about what He did. How He lived His life. How much He loves you and love Him back. And make up your mind because you love Him so much. You're going to try to please Him every day. Amen. Now He says to this knowledge, add something else. Temperance. I'm need me some of that. Now temperance is uh, self-control. Amen? So when we have this virtue, we have this knowledge, now we need to be able to control what we know. We need to be able to control whether we do wrong or whether we do right. And so He gives us temperance. He gives us something from the Holy Spirit, power, that's called temperance or self-control. Where when you want to tell somebody something, you don't. When you want to smack somebody in the mouth, you don't. When you want to cast a blue streak, you don't. That's what temperance looks like. I hear all the time, I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't been mad. When I get mad, I can't help myself. You need use of temperance. But my Lord said, be angry and sin not. That ain't going to be an excuse for him, is it? Amen. And so, the, the, this, and so the Bible tells us when it comes to temperance that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ does what? Constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us, holds us back, bridles us. He can control the tongue. He can control all of that stuff. He can control our body. He can control every member of our body. He can control us. If we love Him enough and allow Him to, He will. Now, here's the thing you need to remember. You need to say to yourself, I'm not going to say this because I love Jesus. I'm not going to do this to this person because I love Jesus. I'm going to be an example of Jesus Christ. He didn't listen to me. When they accused him wrongly, what did he do? You're wrong. I didn't do it. Did he do that? The Bible says that he opened not his mouth. He got a corrupt leader, Caesar. Yeah, he was the, he was the ruler of that world that Jesus lived in. They tried to get him to talk evil to Caesar so they could go ahead and take him out. The Romans would help him. You remember what he said? 
Give unto Caesar those things that are due to Caesar and give unto God those things that are due to God. It stymied their thinking. He paid his taxes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He's our example. We are to be like him. Amen. When, when they brought that woman and threw him in his feet that they had just caught in adultery and they had their right in their hand, they wanted him to pick up the right and throw it too. What did he do? He didn't do that. He didn't call us to throw rocks at anybody. And boy, don't we do it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm guilty. God forgive me. And so the love of God constrains us. So he said, I want to add to this temperance, this self-control, something else. Another thing I don't like. Patience. <laughs> now the good thing about this word patience here. Now we've all got different personalities. There's some people in there. Now I can tell you this. I can lay down in a pile of work and take me a nap. My wife can't do that. She'll drop dead in the pile of work while I'm asleep. Johnny, amen. amen. Hey, that ain't the kind of patience he's talking about. When the Bible says in your patience possess you your soul, it's not talking about because you're hyper or not hyper. In our patience, we are supposed to believe Jesus Christ. We're supposed to believe the word and come hell or high water we're to continue to believe that. Continue to watch for him. No matter how evil the world gets, we continue to love Jesus. We continue to follow Jesus because we are patiently waiting. What did, who did he say? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of evil. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the patience he's talking about. The enduring patience that we believe Jesus, we believe his promises, we believe every word, we believe that he's coming back if it's 50,000 years from now, he's still coming back. Amen. That's the patience of the saints. <clears throat> Amen? It ain't got nothing to do with whether you got a type 1 personality or a type 10 personality like me and Johnny got. <laughs> Amen? It ain't got nothing to do with that. So get that out of your head. Amen. Because we're all different. But Christ is the same. Amen. Amen. And He does not change. Praise God for that. And so we add to this, this, this temperance, we have to add this patience. We even in a suffering, angry, upset world, we still have to believe Jesus. And then He says to this patience now that you've got virtue, you've got knowledge, you've got temperance, you've got patience, he said, now add to this patience something else. Godliness. Now what's that? That's what people see when you have these other qualities in your life and your heart. They see a godly person. They see a person that's different from everybody else. Talks different from everybody else. Lends hands to other people. Amen? To help. They don't look down their noses. Amen? Amen? Well, we're all guilty of this moment. We need to learn to add to our patience godliness the quality of conforming to the commands of God to godliness. Now look, right after he gives us his godliness, he tells us something else. We're to add to godly, uh, godliness brotherly kindness. So now he goes into the church. The brothers and sisters are part of the church. Amen? So he said, brotherly kindness, I want you to add to all of these things, because we're, remember now, we're, in, we're conforming. We're on a journey. We're going to heaven. We've been saved. We want to please God. We want to participate in those great things that Jesus has for us. And we want to live our lives pleasing to him. So he's given us this step-by-step -step thing that we learn as we transform, as we conform to the ways of God. So now he says, I want you to have brotherly kindness. <laughs> being good to your brothers in Christ. Being friendly, being, being generous, and being very considerate of their needs. Hmm. We need to listen up, don't we? Are you hearing this? 
We need brotherly kindness added to godliness to be pleasing to the Lord. This is Peter's words. This is what he's telling us through the Holy Spirit. These are the things we need. We need brotherly kindness. And he adds then, he says, and to brotherly kindness, I want you to add one more thing. Love. Love. Bible tells us love covers a multitude of sins. And we like to think that that means that love will look over me being that that's not what it means. Love helps us to love someone who does live in sin. Love helps us to love the one who's lost. That's what love does. That's what Christ's love looks like. For God so loved the saved people. For God so loved those who called on his name. For God so loved all of those who pay tithe to him. For God so loved all those who come to church every Sunday. For all those no. For God so loved the world. Lost, saved, all humanity, all colors, all races. He loves us with an unconditional love that cannot that's what the love of Christ in us helps us to overlook and help us to love a person even when they're a sinner. How many people in here have got family that lets you down, disappoints you? Love them. Love them anyway. That's what love does. Love covers those things that annoy you and you love them anyway. Amen. Now, this is a good list right there. I'm not going to go over it again. I hope y'all mark these in your Bible and underline it. So this list can only come by way of the power of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ in us. Now look what Peter says. If these things, in verse 8, if these things be in you and abound, that, abound means they're in you and they're, they're overflowing from you. Amen. Remember what, what, what Jesus said? He that believeth on me in the Scripture said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is what he's talking about when he talks about abound. And they make you that you shall not be a be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means we'll be able to teach somebody about Jesus. We'll be able to tell somebody about Jesus. We'll be able to win a soul to Jesus. That's what this whole thing's about. You know, the scripture don't only say that in your patience of this, you, you, your souls, he says something else. He said, he that is wise will have souls. Amen? Our whole work here on this planet is to win souls for the kingdom of God. Amen. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus saves. And that is the work that we're supposed to do. Winning souls for the kingdom of God. God help us to do this. And he says if you do these things, you will, you will not be barren, nor you will be un nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will be able to do these things. We'll be able to teach people. We'll be able to show people by example. This is what it means to be a steward of Christ. I hear that word all the time, but we're supposed to be good stewards of Christ. Nine times out of ten, we talk about the money. Being a steward for Jesus Christ ain't about you hanging on to his money. Amen. He don't need the money to start with. We do. Amen? Amen. He owns all the gold, the silver, and the cattle of a thousand. He owns it all. He, he, you know why we can't find enough gold to cover our debt right now? He's got it in heaven making streets out of it. We're going to walk on that junk. Hallelujah! That's our God. That's who he is. It's all his. He just loaned us what he wants us to have. Amen. Amen. Everything we've got belongs to Him, including our soul. You don't believe me? We're going to stand before Him one of these days, and He is the one that's going to determine where you go. Amen. Hallelujah. That's our God. Now, verse nine. I got. To, I know we got to move on. Verse nine tells us what someone with the lack of these virtues, but he that lacketh these things, look at it, is blind and cannot see afar off. You know what that means? They can't see past their own nose. They're selfish. They want what they want. They could care what anybody else wants. He said, if you don't have these qualities, you're blind and you can't see far. Ooh. 
We need a vision, don't we? The Bible says that where there is no vision, the people perish. We need to be so full of these qualities of God. These, these beautiful, beautiful things that God gives us as we grow in our transformation. We need to have a vision. Amen. We need to have not only a vision of us going to heaven. We need to have a vision of other people going with us. We need to have a vision of our families, of our homes. We need to have a vision of our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors and our friends and everybody. We need to have a vision that they can be there and let's get what they can. But we got to get past our nose first. Amen. Amen. We got to have these things in order to be a good steward of what He has given us to do. We need, He said, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Amen. He cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know, we look at people right now, I can't believe they do that. I have to be careful with that because I've done a lot of the same things. I can't believe people still do it. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And I'm just kind of glad that the things that are available now weren't available when I was that way. Amen. Absolutely. Because a lot of people have no virtue. They do is very temporary. Has no virtue. So he says, so he, he, he has forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Now Peter tells one thing about those that lack these things. He said, give diligence now. Make sure when you, if you hear this word and it, you think it applies to you, he said, give diligence. Give diligence to make sure that your calling and election is sure. Make sure that you know Jesus. Your soul depends on it. Eternal life depends on it. Whether you go to heaven or hell depends on you knowing that you know Jesus Christ. Wow. And he says if you'll do that, for if you have these virtues, look what he says in verse 10. You shall never fall. Can't fall. Why? Because He's going to sustain you. He's going to hold you up. It may be in the bottom of a prison cell, but He's going to sustain you and hold you up. You know why Paul wrote every one of his letters? Might, might not all of them, not quite all of them, but most of every one of them, he wrote them from a jail cell. Mm -hmm. Amen. And you know what he did? He encouraged and encouraged, told people what not to do, wrote the letters, told them how much he loved them, he's praying for them in prison, and he locked up. You know what? He knew something about the joy of God. He knew that even behind bars, even waiting on Caesar to make up his mind if he's going to cut his hand off or not, he knew the Lord was with him. He knew the Lord would never depart from him. He knew the Lord would never desert him. And he knew that if they did come and cut his head off, he would wake up in glory. That's what he knew. Yes. And so he lived his life every day for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. And look at the reward. We have a reward. Verse 11. For, for so... Let me, let me get back over here. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Mm -hmm. You're not going to just almost make it into heaven. Amen. Mm -hmm. You go when you when you walk through those gates, you're going to be there. Mm -hmm. Ain't going to be no almost to it. Right. Amen. He said, "Be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting." King of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our ultimate goal. That is our ultimate destination. And Peter just told us the things that we need to do to assure that we get there. The issue is, do you hear it? Do you believe it? Do you want these things? Amen. We just have.
these altars are open for prayer. I pray that as the Lord has convicted you, and there's some of these things that you're left with, <coughs> I mean, you lost. No, that ain't what he said. What he does do is want you to come to him. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to make sure that you can get it right. He wants to empower you to get it right. He wants to empower you to change. He wants to empower you to resist temptation, to talk ugly about people, to belittle people, to slander people, to talk evil people. He wants to give you that. Why? So we can be more like him. I don't know about you, but I want to be like him. And the Bible says that when he that is perfect is coming, he's going to make us perfect. But until then, we're not. Is that an excuse? No. That's a fact. So what do we need to do about it? I know I'm not perfect. I want to try my best to be like him. When I let him down, I want to confess it and say, Lord, I'm so sorry for doing that to you. I have to do that all the time. Lord, I am so sorry that I acted the way I did. I am so sorry that I looked at what I looked at. I am so sorry that I said what I did. Lord, that wasn't glorifying you. It wasn't honoring you. God, forgive me. And you know what? He will. He will. You see, a big part of our transformation that makes it bearable is a beautiful thing. Maybe the most beautiful attribute of our Savior is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. How does forgiveness come? What cleanses us? What is applied to us? our forgiveness something very precious the blood the blood that Jesus shed for us forgives us cleanses us promises us though your sins are like scarlet my blood will wash them and make it white as wool. Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God that His mercy endures forever. Thank God that His grace is sufficient. And thank God that His blood will never, ever lose its power there, it's available, and it's ready for application to the repentant sinner and all those who call on his name. You know what redeems us, don't you? I'm not redeemed, I'll say it by silver and gold. But with the precious blood of Jesus, thank God that Savior who gave everything he could give so that we could know so that we could have so that we could call on his name so that we could be saved and yes live our lives in victory for him now these altars are still open Real people up here praying. Food back there, I know you smell it. But you know what? <laughs> Jesus was hungry one time and he met a woman. And he got to tell her who he was. Grass ate for him. And when his disciples came back with bread for him to eat, he said, I'm not hungry anymore. Wait a minute. You were hungry a while ago. What happened? 
He said, I have bread to eat that you don't know about. I just witnessed to a person and told her who I am and she believed me. That is the bread that we have, that we can share, that can fill us to the uttermost and give us joy. Give us a feeling that we might be a participant in the beauty of our Jesus Christ and the salvation that he provides for us all. I want to participate in that, don't you? Sunday.